Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and England. And joining me from across the pond, he's the statesman to my kingsman and a very fine man indeed. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing pretty well, Matt. How are you this afternoon slash evening for you? It is the evening for me now. It's a wet and cold evening, but that's singling all over, dude. Uh, I'm good. I've got a cup of tea as per usual. I'm sitting here with a full-on hoodie t-shirt. I'm wrapped up warm. I'm ready to dive into some films. Um, and I'm assuming you're you're keeping well, my friend, in these strange times. Yes, today is a big day over here in the States. It's election day. Mm. So uh, something something will be known by the next couple of days uh, of the future of our country. And I'm not saying which way or how. But it's 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 in the air. Everyone's a little tense today. Um, you know, this is a people have been angry for months. So hopefully, maybe some of that tension will be alleviated, regardless of the outcome. You know, maybe people will finally be like, "Well, this is how it is now," and we'll just accept whatever outcome happens. Um, we'll see. But you know, it's it's a it's that kind of day. On the bright side, it was a very cool day today here in Florida. I woke up and it was fifty five degrees outside. Um, yeah, and so that was that was nice and uh, a little cold, but also nice because it's usually very hot. So it's it's comfortable. Um, a little chilly. I also had to wear a hoodie for today because I was like, oh, it's actually a little cool outside. So, no. well, I regarding any kind of um, national uh, attitude, I do <laughs> I admire your optimism, sir. Yeah, I, I, I admire your grasp there. But um, on on a slightly more positive note. Movies. If you're new to the bloody awesome movie podcast, firstly, welcome. Um, what we do, John and myself, is we talk about uh, one movie per week. We, re- we review a movie, f- non-spoilers. We never go into spoilers for the film uh, that we deem to be uh, uh, the biggest release, the most important release, or in some cases, the only release of the week. And at the minute, we're kind of diving into streaming films more and more because there are no cinemas anymore. Uh, and this week, we are talking about The Wolf of Snow Hollow was written and directed and starring uh, the very talented Jim Cummings. Uh, also stars Ricky Lindholm, Robert Forster in his uh, final appearance, Chloe East, Annie Hamilton and Jimmy Tatro. And it's about, it says, terror grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon. Losing sleep, raising a teenage daughter and caring for his ailing father, Officer Marshall, who's played by Jim Cummings, struggles to remind himself there's no such thing as werewolves. Uh, how did it do critically? Fairly mixed. 67 on Metascore, which isn't awful. 6.2 IMDb user score, but a very good 90% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you're in the UK like me, you can rent this for a very small fee on Amazon Prime and Sky. Uh, and JB in the States? Pretty much anywhere you get videos on demand. I used Vudu myself, but it's on iTunes and Google Play and uh, Amazon Prime. Well, not Prime streaming, but the Amazon rental suite. I hate that they use the same service because it is a little more confusing that way. But yeah, anywhere you can rent uh, digital media is basically available. Yep. So uh, we'll, we're going to tell you what we thought about the film now and whether we think you should part with your money. But at the end of the day, it's up to you really, isn't it? So um, so The Wolf of Snow Hollow, it's... Uh... 
Jim Cummings' second film after the very good Thunder Road from 2018, I believe, or based on his short film. That was a good film. That was a very good film. Jim Cummings starred as a, a police officer who was going through a lot of issues in that film. Um, and in the, in the Wolf of Snow Hollow, he's showing some diversity by starring as a police officer who's going through some things. So it's not <laughs> it's not entirely it's not the same. He's not he's not going through the same issues as he did in Thunder Road, but he's still you know a cop with issues. But um, Thunder Road was so very good. Why wouldn't you want to kind of emulate it somewhat? But um, I off, off the top, I thought this film was pretty good. I quite I quite enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I did think it was you know pretty damn good. Uh, I. I thought it was a bit off tonally. Um, I don't think it's quite accurate to call it a horror or a thriller, just due to the way that the writing and certain performances are highlighted and portrayed. Not that I didn't like them, but this isn't a straight-up horror and it's not a straight-up thriller either. Um, there's uh, there's also more than a hint of like, facing down and tackling the toxic masculinity and dude-bro attitude out there, which... I dug, you know, I like that. I like Jim Cummings' take on that and how he tried to tear those, tear those walls down. Um, Jim Cummings sees stars again here as Officer Marshall this time. Um, you're either going to dig it or you won't in terms of his performance. I did, I thought he's, I thought he's good. I like Jim Cummings an awful lot. He's got a great jawline. But I think he's good in this. But you have to buy into the direction that he takes with the role. Otherwise, I think you may be lost somewhat. Uh, I think Ricky Lindholm, though, she's great. She's the she's Officer Robson. She's understated and underappreciated in her role in the Bureau, uh, in the um, Sheriff's Office, sorry. I think she's great. I think she's actually the best part of the film. But Jim Cummings is, is just fine. I think he's good. Um, there's things about the monsters that are inside us or the monsters that we could be, as much as the actual monsters. But I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought the uh, cinematography by Natalie Kingston, the DOP, was wonderful. I really like the big sweeping shot, panoramic shots she got of the snowy mountains and those beautiful tundras. How she captured the the log cabins, the kind of throwback, the, the kind of the horror vibes, not just some of the things you see visually, but also in like the log cabins took me back to like sort of the eighties kind of horror films and some of the settings, which I enjoyed that. So it looks beautiful. It's, it's like I say, tonally, it's a bit, a little bit iffy for me. It's written all right, though. The performances are fine. Um, and the, the central mystery throughout did have me guessing. And at one point, I did think I had it pegged. And I was like, oh, they're not going this direction. Thankfully, they weren't. And it all builds up to a pretty good, pretty tense ending. So I thought it was okay, though. Um, not as good as Thunder Road, but didn't need to be. I just enjoyed this film. Um, I hoped I wanted to like it a little bit more, but I still had a good time with it. But uh, what about you, JP? Um, I loved it. I, I really did. I I am definitely a Jim Cummings fan at this point. Um, I I really when I found Thunder Road, um, which I I think was just over a year ago that I found it, that I came across it. Um, it was at the uh, South by Southwest that I was at. However, yeah. I missed it there. Um, but it was on my radar there. Like I kept trying to make it to that. And I think I even at one point had like, uh, cause you could sign up for like early ticket kind of thing. Um, because that's uh, South by actually has their stuff together with critic screenings. And I, I think I had snagged it and then I opted to see something else that was playing at the same time or something, mm. but, um, it was not a diss to him. It was just, you know, how times worked out. But, um, I also, at the time I was not familiar with him, but when I, when I caught Thunder Road, I got really into it and went and like watched the short 
and it was just i'm very into the filmmaking side of jim cummings um he has a style he loves this uh he loves this um like monologue with a push in zoom or pull out uh dolly i should say mm-hmm. um and it works really well he has this man his acting is unique to me because it it feels like a performance but it also feels really genuine and i i um i feel like the beginning when you first meet him it feels like we're watching a person performing like we're watching an actor do the job but by the end of the movie he's become a character that i'm really always not necessarily rooting for but like there is sympathy there's empathy that he earns uh through the course of the film and i, I agree I, yeah I'm really impressed with that element of him and his writing. Cause again, he wrote directed and stars in this. So the, the Holy Trinity here. Um, and he is, he's really good at it, man. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. And um, I, I like, you mentioned the feminist kind of qualities the film offers. And I think there's some uh, really strong elements to it. I, I think Ricky Lindholm is terrific in general. I tend to like yeah. her. Um, she's a part of uh, this kind of, I've been listening to the Doug Loves Movie podcast for about 10 years, and she is um, a part of, I don't know if you know this or not, she's a, a comedic musical group uh, called Garfunkel and Oaks. Duo? Yes, yeah, yeah, duo. Yeah, with uh, Kate Micucci, who's also an actress. Um, and they they did the uh, Christmas Doug Loves Movies theme song, which he uses during the uh, the months of November and December, usually. And um, they are, they've been regular guests on that show for a long time. Both of them have done uh, tons and tons of like bit parts on sitcoms that I love. Like mm-hmm. I think Ricky was on a big episode of Big Bang Theory where she was like uh, a fangirl of Sheldon, and then uh, Kate Bakuchi was on an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Like so, I've been familiar with both of them for a Ricky long time. Ricky was in Knives Out as well last year. Right, she's her career is really uh, pushing up. She's been getting a lot more parts. And I, I really love what he lets her do in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we would have got a little more of her character. That's the only thing I really, I would say that's my biggest complaint is like, I kind of feel like she should be the protagonist and she's like a supplemental protagonist. You know, she's a secondary hero figure that we get, but I, I would have actually liked her to be a little more prominent, but not in a, not in a negative way. I think her character actually has depth and is, um, a little more developed than a lot of female side characters would have been. So compliments go there. Um, I thought Forrester was terrific and that's mm-hmm. not unusual. No. Um, I actually, uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I didn't, I didn't realize when I set out my, uh, my day for Saturday, cause I wanted to watch uh, uh, three horror movies on Halloween. That was my goal. Cause I hadn't really been able to watch any this month. And so um, this, I counted. And then uh, I picked two more, and uh, one of the other ones I picked has Robert Forrester in it. So I was like, "Oh, I got a double double dose of Robert Forrester, which is kind of cool." Um, but it, it is, it's you know, he's such a talent, and I really do think he was severely underappreciated as an actor mm-hmm. um, in the larger community. I think within cinephiles and critics, we we love him. He's, um, an, he's and, an Academy nom- Academy Award nominee, isn't he? Yes, and well deserving, mind you. But like. Uh, tarantino used him so perfectly in jackie brown like that's where i really became aware of him and then um i it is it was really cool that he's in this movie i think he does a good job i think him and uh jim get to do some interesting stuff together but um i i just was like totally into this movie i love the 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 story and how it's uh weaved together and um there's they keep you guessing like i think every time you start to have a, a kind of idea of what is happening you're you're kind of second guessing it and 
the the few uh murder sequences that we see play out completely i think i think hit the horror button well enough um i do see what you're saying uh it, it, but i i think it was um uh roger ebert's website's review that i was reading where the person was kind of similar to how i feel about jim cummings was very much praising him and said that you know when he saw thunder road he thought this guy was something to watch and then no one really expected cummings to dive into genre film um and uh to do this movie and to do it like he does is even more impressive and kind of showcasing what cummings has to bring to the table that mm-hmm. um he this is not an outright horror i would say this is a horror comedy with large moments of drama and yeah you could even just put it into the drama category, I think, and it would fit. And that's kind of impressive because he does have, you know, there's uh, the horror genre elements. There's the comedic horror elements. There's the thriller elements. There's the mystery elements of the police, you know, kind of working a case. And then, um, but it's all really this, un- there's this underlying kind of tone of, of humanity built into it um, that I think he explores really, really well. And that's the thing. I you mentioned the tonal issues, but I don't feel that they're issues as much as he is balancing. It's like he's spinning like eight plates and he's mm-hmm. keeping them all from falling and shattering. And that's to me just as impressive as hitting one tone really, really well is being able to go back and forth between the tones and not feeling like they're out of place or they don't fit in or that you don't know what you're saying. Cause that's, I can't remember what movie it was. There was something I saw within the last year where I was very adamant that like the, well, Welcome to Marwin just popped in my head, so let's go with that. I, I feel like Zemeckis had no idea what the tone of that movie was. Uh-huh. Like he didn't seem to have any grasp of what was happening. And I feel like the complete opposite with this movie, where there are a bunch of different tones there, but they're all intentional and they're all being balanced intentionally. And I think that is impressive. Um I also think that could be a reason someone doesn't love this movie, though, is because it is doing a lot of different things. And there is a uh, mon- there's a couple of montages that he uses, I think, really well. Um, and there's obviously some allegory built into mm-hmm. uh, the character, uh, especially his character. You know, the things that he's kind of going through, I think, are are reflected in the the murder mystery element of it. And I think we won't talk about what you thought they were going to do, but I think I know and I think I agree with you. I was also concerned about one path they might go. Yeah. Um, but I was intrigued at the same time to see like, could he pull it off if they went that route? Because it wouldn't have been surprising um, if they had, but maybe he could have pulled it off, but it, it, it didn't do whatever I thought it was going to do. Mm-hmm. And that I was just as impressed with it. It was kept me guessing. And um, the way they set up the mystery too, I think could have ended in a way that feels unsatisfying. And I, I, I didn't feel that way. I thought it ended really strong and I was, that's, it's hard to stick a landing, right? Yeah, no, like in any movie, but it's. Uh, um, I, I felt like they they do a really good job here. I I outright bought this movie because it was on sale on Vudu for ten dollars here, uh, rather than paying like the six dollar rental fee or whatever it was. And um, I'm glad. I I actually totally would will rewatch this movie. I had a blast with it. Um, I think it's really intelligent. I think it's really well acted, and uh, it offers something kind of different, you know. Um. And I like that. So no, I, I, I definitely rewatch it again, dude. I'm, that's what I mean. Is I, I said that's what I meant. I thought it was very good. I just there was just one. I don't know what it was. Just one or two things, probably minor, that just pushed it for me thinking that this was in, really, really very good. But I still think it's very good, and I'd still give it two thumbs up. Um, 
And I agree with pretty much all the points you made in terms of like the the production of the film and the performances and for the most part about the writing as well. Obviously the tone the tonal um things obviously we're slightly disagreeing on that, but that's not a that's not a deal breaker. We'll still continue the podcast, my friend. But uh, no, I thought it was decent, and I, I had a look to see what uh, Jim Cummins is up to next, and he's at, they're pretty much done. They're actually filming uh, Wrapped in December of last year on a film called The Beta Test, which sounds pretty cool. It, it's about a Hollywood agent who deals with the fallout after receiving a mysterious letter from an anonymous sexual encounter. It includes Jim Cummins, stars PJ McCabe, who also um, co-directs and co-writes it with him. So he's got a co-writer and director for the first time. Uh, Olivia Applegate and Virginia Newcomb are going to star. Uh, filming wrapped in December and production is, is expected to be completed by the end of the summer. So said Variety.com um, in June. So whether or not uh, that filming did carry on. But uh, the Jim Cummings said it's a horror film. So he said, you know, this one, it's a horror film, he said, which sounds pretty cool to me. So uh, the beta test is his next film. But... Mm. No, I think um, he's absolutely a talent to watch because Thunder Road, I mean, just the introduction of that film alone is worth wanting to check out Jim Cummings' filmography. Yeah. And I think this was a very strong follow-up, I think. Um, oh. Yeah, it was a great yeah, follow-up. I and, I'd, and I'd watch it again, and I'd absolutely tell people to watch it. There's, if you like things like Fargo, there's a lot of Fargo elements. If you like um, sort of crime mm-hmm. drama set in the snowy mountains, you're going to love this. And and there are the horror aspects and there are thriller aspects, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a horror. I think, like you say, a horror comedy, thriller, drama. It's like takes aspects from all of them without being one. There is a great scene again. No spoilers. About halfway through, in a in a diner, a conversation between somebody you don't really see that and somebody else. And I was like, you know, this that is great. That is well. That is well set up. That is well written. I don't like where this is going. Um, is in like I'm quite scared now for these people. Um, so there were some great oh, moments yeah. in it. Oh. I don't know what it was. It's just a little. It's just a few little things in it. Whether or not it was Cummings himself, because I think he was really good in this role. But like you say, when it, it starts off performance, and then you really feel like actually this dude has become this character. Certain times, um, maybe the the levity that or the the comedy aspects were placed into scenes where they probably would have worked better if they'd gone a more serious route, maybe. It's that kind of thing that would have worked better for me. But on the whole, though, dude, I I, I did enjoy this film a lot. Well, I was looking at um, Letterboxd, and Josh Larson, who is the, the host of the Film Spotting Podcast, which is one of the bigger film podcasts, behind um, us. his... His comment um, actually reminded me of an element. I wanted. I won't say what's happening, but there's a moment late in the movie where I was very much reminded of Jim Cummings. Reminded me of like Jim Carrey style performance, like some of the facial expressions he was making. Um, I was just uh, like it reminded me. And, and Larson also commented that, uh, which I think kind of articulates how I was feeling, that Jim Cummings' performance strikes him as an early Jim Carrey character, if the character existed in the real world versus the often like you know very clearly fictional world hyper of Jim Carrey world, yeah, hyper world of jim carrey early carrey right I like, can especially like ace ventura yeah hmm. um and i don't know if that's who he's channeling but i do get like again it's it's much more serious but some of the reactions and stuff have this jim carrey-esque mm-hmm. performance element but it's because it's very he's very like um 
emphatic, like his facial expressions and his very emotive with his expressions. Right. And Jim Carrey is, but Jim Carrey does it in these exaggerated, like surrealist kind of ways. And I think that Cummings is a little more grounded, but definitely familiar to that, that nature. So yeah, I thought it was funny that um, I thought that, uh, and then seeing Larson say, I was like, okay, so I'm not crazy for seeing that um, when I was watching, because there's a part and I, again, I won't say what's happening, but I was just like, man, that looks like Jim Carrey. And then sure enough, someone else thought that too. So uh, I hadn't actually made that connection, but I replaying the film in my mind. You, I can see that, especially, you know, to, like, towards the sort of bigger moments of the film. You, you, I can absolutely see that, but dude, I'm looking forward to seeing the beta test whenever it drops to see what Jim Cummings uh, and McCabe come up with next because I'm liking the sound. I love the all three all, the three synopses I've read. The two films I've seen, I either really loved or really liked. Um, and the synopsis for this third film sounds really intriguing. It, it's they said it's a horror film, but it sounds like it could be like a thriller or like noir elements to it. So I don't know. I'm really digging the idea of that, and I do think Jim Cummings is a it's an intelligent filmmaker. I mean, you'd have to be to like say do the Holy Trinity of um production but he's an intelligent dude he he clearly knows how to how to craft a film and craft a story and he gets the right people on board as well you know he can't he might be he's doing he's doing all the left legwork in behind the camera as well as not leading the film but he's getting the right people around him whether that's um natalie kingston to shoot this film and make it look as beautiful as it did or or i think you know what ricky lindholm's going to be great in this role and she was so it's getting that and, and and having Robert Forster play uh, the father figure and how he approaches it. It's knowing who to cast. And of course, the cast and directors do deserve a pat on the back, as they always do when it comes to this. But he, he knows how to surround himself with the right people. And he certainly did that again in this film. Um, so hopefully that continues with, with, with the next film. But yeah, man, I, I, I definitely recommend this film. If you want to pick it up, guys, do so. It's pretty much available internationally on every major streaming or vod platform to rent or you like jb did you can buy it for well not really much more was it to buy it it wasn't this week i don't know how much longer that sale is going to last but uh it's it is on sale still right the second so nope so uh anything else to add before we move on jb uh, no, I think that hits it nope so uh so moving on from the wolf of snow hollow uh to our next segment which is simply called chuffed headlines Miss um, Basic, myself and JB, we pick a headline from the world of pop culture that caught our attention for whatever reason that may be, um, and we unveil it to the other person unwittingly, unwitting other person. Uh, so JB, which uh, what headline has caught your eye this week? Well, like last week, um, I didn't see anything outside of the one that we're going to talk about with you uh, that was like substantial. So I thought another listicle Woo-hoo! would be fun. And since today in the States is election day, mm-hmm. I found a listicle from um, actually a few different websites were doing this, but the one that I'm using is al.com, which I did not realize was alabama.com um, for some reason. Yes. I, wow. I don't know why they had a movie uh, <laughs> list on their website, but I thought it was fun. It was uh, set 11 movies about elections that have our vote is the headline from the article. Um, and so I thought we could go through the list like we did last time and see if you've seen it or if I've seen it and, uh, thoughts on it. And then maybe recommend a movie that didn't make the list. Uh, if you can think of one though, that's about elections. So start thinking of a film that has an election in it right now. 
So uh, the first movie on their list, and this is not in any kind of uh, specific order from what I can tell, but they have The American President from 1995. That's our, it's uh, Rob Reiner and Aaron Sorkin, Sentimental DC. Um, I didn't know Sorkin wrote that, I guess. Uh, Michael Douglas plays President. In, is this right? Yeah, man. Okay. Andrew Shepard, a widower who pursues a relationship with environmental lobbyist Sidney Ellen Wade by Annette Benning. Um, I have not seen this one. I remember seeing like trailers for it when it was coming out, but I never had an interest in it, so I never caught it. You so seen I haven't that seen that one, no. All right, next up, Batman Returns <laughs> from 1992, I which I forgot has an election element uh, built into it. Yeah, right? Because the Penguin's running oh. for uh, Gotham City mayor. Yeah, right? and he's, uh, he gives you um, nightmares, isn't he, that guy? He does. I, that is one of the grossest depictions of that character ever. It freaks me out. Um, uh, Bullworth from 1998, uh, which I remember seeing trailers for, never saw. It's Warren Beatty. Uh, I think, is it Halle Berry in it? Um, it does not say here if it's Halle Berry. I can't remember for sure, but never saw it. Uh, I think it was a fairly controversial because he's like into hip hop mm-hmm, or yep. something. Um, it's, yeah, so a little weird. Uh, the Candidate, 1972, Robert Redford. So I'm in because of that, I've, but I've never seen it, but I do like Robert Redford quite a bit. Uh, no, I haven't, one? but it will probably come up on astrology at some point. Uh, yes. And then um, Election from 1999, uh, Matthew Broderick, Reese Witherspoon, um seen it i think two or three times the movie makes me unbelievably uncomfortable uh because matthew broderick's character is is awful um in my opinion i'm not a big broderick fan anyways but i especially don't like him in this movie like this character Mm -hmm. but reese witherspoon's amazing Mm -hmm. um and and chris klein is uh well he's a he's a big tub of vanilla ice cream isn't he he's just about as bland as the person could be uh yes he's got he's he's every shade of gray yes um the ides of march with the, the george clooney ryan gosling vehicle I've seen that one uh, me too i actually did an episode of movie club not too long ago um within the last two years uh i think we were covering gosling movies or something um pretty good pretty good not perfect but there's some interesting stuff uh obviously napoleon dynamite right we got to vote for Pedro. yes of course yep um Parks and Recreation Season 4 is on this list, proving that this is not an, a very strict list, as it says 11 movies. And then it throws Parks and Rec Season 4, because that's when uh, Leslie's running for office, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that show, so fine. Put it in there. Uh, Primary Colors from 1998, um, which is based on a novel. Primary Colors, a novel of politics about Bill Clinton's first presidential campaign in 1992. Uh, I've never seen it. Neither have I. Wag the Dog, 1997. We got Dustin Hoffman, so that's cool. Robert De Niro is a spin doctor. Um, and there's a sex scandal. I've never seen it, but I'm kind of intrigued by it. And the cast is ridiculous, man. I just dropped De Niro and Hoffman, but then you get Dennis Leary, Anne Hayes, Woody Harrelson, Kirsten Dunst, and William H. Macy. Okay, maybe that's, maybe that's worth yeah, watching. Yeah, Wag the Dog. Time, um, I've heard of the film. I mean... Because right. it's got the most ridiculous mm-hmm, title, but I know it plays into the film, but I haven't seen it, but just based on the cast alone, dude. There's a documentary called The War Room um, that's about uh, Bill Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign, so two references to that year, and that's the last on the list. So, Matt, is there any movies uh, that you can think of that have an election that we didn't mention? Oh, I wanted to mention All the President's Men. It's about the Watergate scandal. Does that count? Hmm. All the president's yes. men, then. It's not an election. It's, it's during it's the election, uh, election, though. It's during the um, 
early 70s at some point during the elections then. Because it's, it's uh, Robert Redford, right. Dustin I, Hoffman I, I again. Okay. Come on, Redford and Hoffman. Um, it's a, it's a, they're reporters, aren't they? And they 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 shed light on the whole Watergate scandal that basically gets Nixon out of yes. office, but it's during the election. I love that movie. Very big fan. Um, one that popped into my head, which I don't like, but it's very much about an election, is The Campaign. Um, hmm. uh, directed by Jay Roach. It's uh, Will Ferrell and when Zach Galifianakis, they were trying to make a leading man. Um, that that finally did get dropped yeah. uh but um but yeah that movie's it's it's not it's not good um there's some funny moments uh it's it's man this guy directed some stuff though boy he did do all three of the awesome powers movies which are pretty great no, um, they stay start they they sort of go downhill slightly but they're good sure yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean there's still quotable lines in gold member Absolutely. right like if nothing Shut else there's quotable lines Dude, for real, that is a default for me. Anytime anyone's like trying to make a deal, I'm like, I see there's no pleasing you. Even um, if anyone offers me a but, pancake or anything, I smoke on a pancake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the front um, runner. About that so, as well. I liked that with Hugh Jackman in a couple of years ago. Uh, I've wanted it's, to see that. I haven't seen not that like one. Door blowingly brilliant, but I thought it, I thought it's, it is like the definition of a, like a really solid film. Everything about it is really good, but you know it. It, that's just it. It's, it's not like a, a best picture how, nominee, but it's. I thought it was really good still. That's a Jason Reitman movie too. Yes, it? it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, I can. Jack I don't like everything. It. Yeah, I, I heard that he was amazing, and that movie just kind of got overlooked. Um, one that I've never seen, but it always is unlike the, my memory because of the, I think the trailers for it was uh, Swing Vote, the Kevin mm-hmm. Costner yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't have any idea how that is, but it just it popped in my head while we were sitting here talking. Um. I, I Revenge like of the some Sith. Other... <laughs> they talk about elections and Palpatine elects himself as galactic. No, for sure. That yes, I totally think that movie is maybe hopefully not too appropriate for right now, but this it's is how possible. He dies after all with thunderous applause. I I feel like every time Trump references like taking things to the Supreme Court, that like he's got it written down as Order sixty six. Like it. I just uh, it, my brain refuses to accept anything else. Yeah, he probably couldn't uh, put sixty six together, but um, there's quite a, there's there's actually quite a few, isn't there? When you think about it, off the top of your head, but yeah, I'm going for all the president's men uh, as like the probably the de facto choice, like, one of the obvious choices. But the front runner from a few years ago, which I thought was really pretty, quite actually quite good. Sorry, get the words out. And Hugh Jackman again showing that he is more than just a pair of claws and a great um, haircut. He's a very and like we mentioned, bad education a few months ago. He's incredible in that. Um. Yeah, the front runner. Check it out. I like it. So that was a uh, JB's and guys. If you've got any other election-based films that we've missed out or we should be watching, do let us know. Share what you believe. Um, and my one was like John said, it's the uh, news that came out over the weekend and kind of overshadowed most other movie news. Uh, and that is the sad news that Sean Connery has passed away, aged uh, ninety. He uh, passed away in uh, the Bahamas. Uh, of course, he's best known for playing James Bond in six uh, James Bond films, uh, starting in Dr. No. And, you know, the he's so... Sean Connery's just like cast a shadow, a great shadow over film, whether it's as Bond, you know, the charming Jack Bond, James Bond, whether it's some of his other roles, his, um, his voice, obviously the eyebrow, his... Mm-hmm. 
He's uh, he's always up there as a as a sexual icon. You know, he's he's like the, he's the one of the epitomes of the man all the women want and the man all the guys want to be was Sean Connery. And I mean, just looking at his obviously his filmography, we've all seen many of Sean Connery's big movies, but uh, something like obviously Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Highlander, The Hunt for The Hunt for Red October, The Rock. Of course, the Untouchables, where he won Best Supporting Actor, and he was great in that film. I, I, I like the Untouchables quite a lot, actually. We studied that in film studies, and Sean Connery's great in that. Um, he hadn't been in a film for the last seventeen years. He kind of um, retired. Yeah, went off the radar, retired. But and then before that, uh, Sidney Lumet's uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the Man Who Would Be King. He's, I mean, the influence that he's had. Is is unreal, and obviously the people who have been coming out to share their tributes over the last um, four or five days are. It just shows what a titan of film he was. Obviously George Lucas and Harrison Ford, of course, Daniel, all, all of the Bonds, pretty much De Niro, Nicolas Cage, uh, Kevin Costner. There's so many people who wanted to come and pay their tribute to Sean Connery, and I know that a lot of the film fan world um, has done as well, and. He wasn't without his controversies. That's what I'll say about that. But in terms of film, I mean, is he's left a hell of a legacy behind, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's definitely got his stinkers, right? When I mean, you make, I mean, he's got a hundred and four credits on on Letterbox. Um, I'm sure some of those are shorts or like some of these are like documentary, like making ofs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's still a lot of credits. Um, you know, a lot of actors don't do this huge of a body of work. Um, but there's because of that, there's some stinkers, right? Like the Avengers uh, movie that he did. Um, this is one where he's in like the red leather pants. Uh, Zarzos, right? That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That movie, boy, that's notoriously... Zardoz, excuse me, Zardoz. Uh, notoriously bad movie, right? Like, um, yes. But uh, yeah, the Highlander movies aren't... like the. I, I have a special place in my heart for the Highlander movies, but... Uh, the first also one's not great. great. Yes, the first one is great, and then I don't know how well it holds up. It's been a long time since I've seen any of the Highlander movies, um, but I, I still have a fond place in my heart for those. Uh, even the TV series they did, I liked um, for a little while there. Uh, he was not a part of the TV series. Mm. Um, I got to be honest, I don't think I've watched any of his Bond movies, though. All Like, not all the way through and not as an adult. I know that for a fact, because I, mm-hmm. I was just never really into not Bond. No, and we've talked about a lot of Bond movies on astrology, and I'm always like, "Yep, never saw it." Um, yep, over to me. Yeah, except for the Craig ones, I, I am, and that's the sad thing is I do. For me, Craig is the Bond that brought me into the franchise, where like I, Pierce Brosnan should have been, and for some reason, even then, I just never got into those. And um, I think it's the the tux. I think the uh, everyman kind of thing that that Craig does. Um. I don't feel like you ever see that in the other bonds. Like, well, at least from what, like the imagery that I'm familiar with, right. It's always the, uh, like the rich guy um, looking guy, right. Like where like you, Craig, you can't have believed Craig could, he, like, we, we mentioned on astrology or one of the shows. So Daniel Craig will, will seduce you. What with his martini. And he will also snap your neck at the same time. If, if you look yes. at him the wrong way, you believe both, both sides of him. Exactly. And I, I and it's not a criticism to Connery. Um, I had or a couple of my coworkers, not. Um, were were uh, saddened by his passing, and it is it's obviously sad. At the same time, he is ninety, and that's an yeah. awesome life. You know, we I'm hoping to make it to ninety if I can. You know, um, but it is it's still he is a tremendous talent. Um, I 
I think my first encounter with him was the last crusade though. Um, Cause I saw that r- rather young. I was a big fan of the Indiana Jones movies. I know I saw that one in the theater. Um, and I, I, uh, you know, was, was a big fan and had no idea at the time that Spielberg was directing those movies, mind you. And of course I had no idea George Lucas was the, the credited writer on the yeah, franchise yeah. Uh, when I was seeing it as a kid. But I do remember seeing that one in the theater. I, I really wanted the bullwhip and the, the fedora, you know, like I was all about uh, Indiana Jones as a kid. And um, uh, that was my, I'm pretty sure the first time I ever saw Sean Connery, but yeah, he's, he's hard not to be impressed with. I even, I, I don't think it's a good movie. But I enjoyed the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because I like <laughs> I like references and so like all of the uh, all these like, here's all these characters that I've heard of from books in a super team like they're the you know it's like the Avengers of of literature and I I found that interesting as a premise like I had not read the graphic novel so yeah, I had yeah. no like frame of reference and it's not a perfect movie but I like the idea of the movie and Connery's really good in it I thought um, I mean he's Connery but you know if you like that um, he's good in it. And correct in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, he's just at the end of the movie, right? Uh, pretty yeah. He he basically swaggers in at the end of the film, yeah. right? I'm like, that that's a weird credit because I loved that movie as a kid. Uh, I I I was a big fan of the Disney Robin Hood, so when the Prince of Thieves came out, I was like all about it. Um, and then I was even more into Men in Tights because I I think Carrie Ellis is a really good Robin. <laughs> um, you know, but hey, uh, I enjoyed uh. I enjoyed Prince of Thieves. And so I'm like trying, I'm like he's just at the end of the movie, right? Cause he just kind of shows up and like, Hey, I'm here mm-hmm. to kiss the bride. That's um, it. He's the man. It's, it's Connery, man. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's, uh, I love his staunch defiance against any other accent other than his own. Doesn't matter what nationality the character is. You'll always talk like this. You'll always say sausages. Hey, Sean. It's great. I love it. And the, the rock, all of his, all of the lines he's given in that. I still hold the rock. One of the best action films. I love it for me. Rule of Jean Connery makes that film. Otherwise, it's just I know another almost by numbers, um, act, big big budget action flick. But Sean Connery and his lines in that film and his role really helps sell, sell that film an awful lot. And um, yeah, I liked him as James Bond. I think he's other than Daniel Craig, he is my he's my favourite James Bond. And I've got a love hate relationship with that franchise anyway. I'm not. I don't hold it up to any kind of level of reverence. They're fine. The films are, but I did like. Um, Sean Connery as Bond, um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a shame. Obviously, they it's kind of I think he may have well, we don't know how he passed away, but it's not necessarily important. Uh, like you say, it was in his sleep at ninety years old in the Bahamas, um, surrounded by uh, his family. So you know, he's going to go out at least he's surrounded by family peacefully, and he's left behind that legacy. He's an Oscar winner, and um, yeah, just just by looking at the people who have been cast in their tributes, his a uh, is a measure of the man who, not without his controversies, but um, it's interesting that both Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig both said in their tributes, uh, where, wherever he is, I hope there's a golf course. Um, so they both use that. Uh, Harrison Ford said, if he's in heaven, I hope there's a golf course. They both use that line in their um, tributes, which I found to be quite um, intriguing. Um, I One of the, the a movie I'm probably going to watch here soon of his is I've, uh, when I saw the murder of the Orient Express, the um, oh, Kenneth Branagh, his name. thank you, uh, his version. I I bought the the original mm-hmm. uh, Lumet version. I just I never got to watch it, and so um, I didn't realize Connery was in it. And also, I'm just looking at this cast, like wow, no cost, uh, dude. Yeah, it's I mean, so is this one was as well. Uh, 
but it you know it's it's brana and it's not it's not great mm-hmm. but uh um, it, it had a pretty big cast uh this one i think is a much more stacked cast though and i'm I'm like oh man i really need to watch this movie uh and it's better yes, yes that i've heard too and i i I enjoyed mystery. So even though it wasn't perfect, I still was like, kind of, I was captivated. Like I wanted to know what was happening, even though some of it made zero sense as far as like (laughs) set design and production and stuff. I'm like, why are, why are they all outside at a table that looks like the last supper of Christ? Uh, Just symbolism gone wrong. Yes. Right. It's like, we must be symbolic. uh, Even when it makes no sense to the story or plot. (laughs) And it's good to see Daisy Ridley in another film, but um, uh, English Rose, but yeah, that that wasn't kind of like Kenneth Branagh, but yeah that one wasn't for me but um, yeah if you do check out the uh 74 one i think it is yeah let me know what you thought about yep. it i shall oh so uh yes so it's a sad news rest in peace sean connery and um any election films do let us know what you uh, have in mind so let's move on now to uh media consumption what the hell have john and myself been consuming in the past week whether that's film tv video games podcasts that aren't our own uh, comics, books, music, anything pop culture to pass the time. So, JB, you've always got a smorgasbord of delight. So what have you been up to in the last week? Well, continuing to listen to the Blank Check podcast every yep. week, uh, we got our Patreon episode of Alien 3 commentary, mm. um, which I was grateful to hear because I also thought the third movie was not that bad. Um, I don't think it's great, no, but I, I don't think it's... I it recently, and it's, not, it's certainly not as bad as I remember it being. In fact, it's got some good ideas in it. Right, and it's much better than the fourth movie, uh, which I I cannot stand. But um, and then they the uh, appropriately dropped episode for this week was Forrest Gump, um, as they continue Zemeckis, and so uh, listening to Forrest Gump and their take on it was was refreshing um, to me because it kind of mirrored my own opinions. Um, the Adventure Zone podcast I'm still listening to. That's the D and D podcast uh, with the McElroy brothers, who are apparently pretty popular podcasters who I had just not heard of prior to this. Um, but I enjoy the D and D like show very much. Um, the big thing I did, and I I think I mentioned I, I wanted to do this on the last episode, oh, yeah. so I actually lived up to it. I rewatched the Gus Van Sant Psycho. Ah, exciting! Go on. So uh, it is. Um, okay, first of all, Viggo Mortensen is the only one speaking with a country accent um, in the movie, <laughs> and it's such a weird choice. Uh, I don't think it quite works. There's a bit of like a mumblecore thing going on with the movie too, where like it is really hard to hear them at times. Where I'm just like, why are you guys mumbling? Like, speak up. Um, uh, Julianne Moore, who I think is a tremendously talented actress, is not good in this movie. <laughs> like. <laughs> Some of them, I don't know if Van Sant like wanted her to like give a performance, but there's like at least two moments where I'm just like, this is bad, and I don't know what's going on. Um, uh, I think William H Macy's really good as Aber- uh, Arbigast. I think he's really really good. Um, Vaughn, I'm still kind of torn on. I think Anthony Perkins is just so perfect in the role. Um, I I feel like Vaughn is playing up a little bit more, like with the. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I'm so used to him being a comedic actor that it's hard for me to take away that mindset for me. Mm-hmm. But I've seen if some of his more recent serious performances and I was able to totally buy into him like yeah. in um, Hacksaw Ridge and stuff. So I don't think it's that. I, I think he's playing it up a little bit more than than Perkins does. Um, like even like he, there's a couple scenes where he has to run and he just looks so goofy. And I'm just like, hmm. All right. That's um, what's so good about Perkins. Though. It was the understated nature of it, which is what made that 
yes. finale so shocking. And also, uh, boy, Janet Lee compared to Anne Heche as far as performance, <sighs> you, you, oh my God, like yeah. it just the big sequences are like the driving sequences, which are basically boring in nature, right? Um, <laughs> Janet Lee sells so much of the emotion, and Anne, Anne Heche looks like she's telling a joke. Like, I don't know what was going on with that. Like, so. I, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's nearly as bad as a lot of people originally said. By comparison, it's nowhere near. But it's an interesting experiment. Um, he adds a few weird, uh, like, when, um, with some of the murders. Oh, God, are you okay? Please um, carry on. Stay, ignore me. <laughs> as, um, some of the murders are happening. Uh, there is, like, these. He cuts to um, images that, that Hitchcock doesn't. Like, he cuts to a cow, I think, at one point, and he cuts, like, a lightning cloud. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know why he felt the need to do that. Like, especially if you're doing a shot for shot remake, it's like, we get it without you cutting away from the event that this is traumatic. Like it's, it was weird. Um, I I thought it was kind of interesting that he does modernize it, that he sets it in 1998, Arizona. It's not mm-hmm. like a, a period piece or anything. Um, I thought that was interesting, but he doesn't really do anything with that at the same time. Cause it is still a remake, you know, like, um, it's not the reason why the motel is suddenly off the beaten path. It was already off the beaten path in, in the original times. So I don't know if it benefits from updating the time. Um, and there's no real like advancements in technology in probably 98. That's cheaper noticeable. to not have to do the period piece. Probably, probably. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you, if you're going to do that, you might as well integrate it in a little more to the story where at least it would make some sense, but mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. Um, it's, it's mostly good though. I, I would say I, I was a little surprised that Julianne Moore's not so good performance. And I, I don't know if that was the direction. I think some of the costume design is not as strong, um, with like the, the, uh, the mother look of, uh, mm-hmm. Vaughn. I think it looks a little cheaper than, uh, than, than it did. And the ending goes for more of like a Hollywood action ending. Um, yeah. when, when he goes for the kill kind of thing is, and it's like, I, I liked how it ended with, um, Oh, but I do love Robert Forrester as the, 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 the uh, therapist. Um, a nice tie in there, JB. Yep. Yep. There's that connection. And then, so I mentioned psycho and I, I don't remember if I mentioned this or not, but I had never seen the, uh, the prequel to the thing called the thing. <laughs> uh, you hadn't, you, I think you mentioned it. Uh, what uh, fairly recently. I definitely talked about it somewhere, and as I wasn't one hundred percent sure if it was on on last week's episode or not, but I'd been meaning to do that, and I thought, hey, you know what? These are two things I've said I wanted to do. I wanted to watch horror movies, but I also I was like, should I watch the ones that I love, or should I watch ones that I haven't seen? And I went with uh, parallels, right? I love Psycho, so I watched the remake of Psycho. I love the thing. Why not watch the prequel that I've never seen that has people I really enjoy in it, like Mary Elizabeth uh, Wins- Winstead? Um, Solid reasoning. And, uh, it's. It's interesting. I have seen the uh, the nineteen fifties, the thing from another planet. Uh, Corey and I covered that on a on a movie club episode a few years ago, and so I kind of wanted to complete the cycle. And I do like that uh, there is a much more clear line from this movie and the fifties sci fi movie than what you get in the Carpenters, um, which obviously Carpenters this is now a prequel to, um, and uh, they're connected. And I, I think it connects the uh, the original as well. Um, other than Carpenter does have like on the TV somewhere, I think in um, Halloween, they're watching the thing from another planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's, it's got some flaws for sure. 
um some of the cg does not look good uh especially a few years later um i think it really loses itself kind of in like maybe not the ending but like the third act there's this there's some choices that i'm just like oh this is unnecessary hollywood nonsense but um overall it's fine it's definitely it it doesn't it pays homage to the the 82 movie um with the uh the tension and that you know who is it kind of thing but it feels it does it never gets the tension right like mm-hmm. carpenters you're in you're you feel like you're there with them and you don't know who you can trust yeah. i don't feel like this movie ever gets that tone like it's like it's there it's clear that we should feel it but i don't and you know i i'm guessing that's the movie's fault but yeah that's have you seen that one yeah, I skipped out on the the prequel sort of thing. Um, I love the Carpenter version, and I agree with what you say. Carpenter's a master at that at, of at, oh, body horror and horror, but the atmosphere and tension and using his locations wonderfully and using what is at his disposal so well, his disposal so well. Sorry. Um, so I love the original. Well, sorry, the eighty-two remake. Excuse me purists um but no i never did catch the 2011 one i will probably get around to it one day but hearing your um sort of unenthusiastic praise for it uh then you know hasn't made me want to rush out and say had you said look actually this film is it's a sleeper hit this this is a gem in the rough i would have watched it this week probably but uh, you know I'm, i'm one day yeah that's probably the right approach um that was it for movies. I didn't have a lot of free time this week. Uh, I've been watching, trying to finish season four uh, in the final season of the legend of Korra. I think I have like three episodes left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's, I, I am kind of ready for it to be over though, to be honest at this point, it feels like it's, I think the last season is maybe dragging out a few things um, as they do. Uh, and then also they, I feel like sometimes they, they, they rush character development. They're just like, nope, nope. Here's all this stuff happens. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> On to the next stretch that out. Yeah, because um, that's a, season one is really bad at that. Like it really because they were only going to do one season. So like the last episode, like just so much character development is just like tossed in on the very last episode. And then they ended up getting three more seasons and like season two kind of suffers because they're like, oh, well, we already resolved the major conflict. So I guess we'll just rehash the conflict. Um, and then three is perfect and four is good. Uh, but I played D&D again last uh, last Friday. It was the longest session we've done. It was like four hours. Um we had uh homemade Indian food by one of my, uh, my players. Uh, he made butter chicken and oh man, it was so good. Um, and then we played uh, D and D for a while, had a lot of fun. Um, and uh, Matt, I'll make this announcement here. Uh, we're, we're going to attempt to turn it into a podcast. Sweet. Um, so we're going to, uh, it's going to be called the natural ones and D and D players will get that joke. Um, because if you roll a one, it's called a natural one, and it's a auto fail. You lose. You, you have no choice. Um, and uh, our first episode is going to be uh, just us kind of recapping our first few sessions. What like what's happened to our characters, and then uh, because of the last session, our characters are all going to be leveling to level five. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we're going to level our characters on the first episode, and then the next episode we'll start actually recording our sessions. Um, and uh, it'll be hosted by our DM. He'll introduce the show, and I'm going to produce it. Um, and hopefully, uh, it'll be a part of, of, of maybe upcoming future pod network. Who knows? Uh, so pretty spiffing is that, um, as a non, um, D and D, um, gamer or tabletop gamer myself, would I be able to tune in and have an understanding of what's going on? I think so perfectly because that's the beauty of our group is that three of us had, have never played D and D until this. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and then uh our dm and our our wizard um uh who made the the indian food um he's a wizard in the kitchen i was like god um, damn that sounds good already but uh he um they both have played a bit so like they have a little more uh, so they they'll kind of be more of like the the teachers of the game and then often are for us and then the other three and i've been listening as i mentioned the adventures Zone podcast and that's actually helped me a lot to kind of get the flow of the game and like being a little more um vocal with what i want to try to do and stuff so it's all there and then i've been playing world of warcraft a little more um not too much but i, I have they've uh expedited the leveling system and i've gotten my my gnome rogue that i started at level one up to 35 already but not because i've been playing a lot just because they've made it easier to level um so that's been uh that's been what i've been doing what have you been consuming um well i'm going to be consuming a, a D podcast over the next few weeks <laughs> anything with jb on i'm sold um yeah drop those drop those details when you get them man um mine has been it's been a busy week i'm not gonna last been a very busy week the last week um in the last week well in the uk it's half term so the kids are off school for the week so i've gone from having all day free from like nine till three o'clock to suddenly not having any time and god do you realize how much time you have during a day when the kids are at school um so i didn't really have as much time to do uh to indulge in as much stuff as i would have liked to have done obviously instead i was obviously hanging out with the kids which isn't a bad compromise but um so pretty much for me it was other than one which i'm going to mention in a minute that i forgot to note down in terms of halloween i was i was a basic billy this week this uh year for <laughs> halloween but that isn't a bad thing. I watched three films on Halloween and they are literally like your quintessential, almost quintessential Halloween films other than the uh, like actual Halloween film, Carpenter film. I watched The Shining, um, the Kubrick uh, Shining. Uh, I watched Trick or Treat. And of course I watched uh, The Exorcist, the greatest film of all time. Uh, I wasn't going to actually, but it was on, um, I was flicking through Sky Cinema, uh, the horror section, and it was there. I was like, do you know what? Let's take the old girl for a spin again. I haven't watched it for a few months, so let's put it back on again. And I was sucked in as much as I always was. I'm always seeing new things, or I still get terrified and captivated by the ending. All, all of it is just marvellous for, for, for me. Uh, JB and myself, we actually did about an hour, 80-minute-long deep dive into The Exorcist about a year and a half ago now, though it feels about six years ago, where we go into that um full spoiler after john had watched it and made his wife watch it hilariously as well i mean she chose to watch it but yeah 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 it was uh <laughs> unexpected that she volunteered to watch it with me but... it went down well as well uh, a trick or treat because to me that is now a staple for halloween i love trick or treat the anthology mike doherty um trick or, uh horror film he obviously went on to do more horror films with the horrific godzilla v and king of the monsters sorry um but Trick or Treat, it, it, it sums up everything about Halloween for me. Like the ghoulish fun is devilishly delightful. I bloody love that film. And The Shining is a classic film. And I hadn't seen it for an awful long time. Every time I mention The Shining, my head tilts to my kind of collection, my movie collection, um, well, part one over there, where I can see the, the DVD. I haven't got it on Blu-ray yet, but I haven't seen, I hadn't seen it for a couple of years, actually. And... I've, I've said it so many times on this show that there's a handful of films or a list of films which I really want to revisit, but you know it takes it would take me about three years to finally do it, and I have to kind of be pushed or a coincidence or an episode of a show will make me uh, revisit it. But this time it's just Halloween. I fancy something a bit different. We've got the fun 
um, Trick or Treat, you've got The Greatest of the Exorcist and The Shining, like the psychological, um, well, as is The Exorcist, but the different kind of psychological horror. Uh, and I dug it just as much as I always have done. I really like The Shining. I really appreciate that film a lot. Um, so basic Halloween films for me. But, dude, my king, my statesman, Friday morning, I woke up, 7 a.m., um, the uh, the boss here, she went out, she had to go out, she took the kids out. Probably the best thing she could have done, because I sat down in my Star Wars lounge pants with my Star Wars Sessions hoodie on, because it was cold. I had toast, uh, oh. I had a cup of tea, Disney Plus, god damn, did the Mandalorian go on? Yes, it did, and I dug it. The uh, Chapter 9 uh, of The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 1, I dug that first episode, and that isn't me being a biased fanboy. Um, we did a um, Star Wars Sessions doing a weekly Mandalorian recap every Friday afternoon. It comes out uh, morning EST, very early morning, um, West Coast time. Um, and I, th- I really thought it was a heck of a way to start this season. Um, yes, it was slightly derivative of certain things in the first season, but it's just so good, man, to have the Mando back. Everything about the show is great. Every time I see Mando do anything remotely awesome, I sit there smiling to myself. Um, it opened great. This is the way one of the characters who probably always, not the main reveal, but one of the characters who's brought in um, elicited a very loud yes from me because I follow all of the expanded universe, the canon, not the legends, the canon. And I've uh, been I've been banging the drum like a lot of people who love these stories, saying that there's so many good stories, events, characters, and moments that just don't get referenced in the in in the live action setting. You know, so much good stuff people could be checking out, and um, yeah. they 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 did that in this episode of The Mandalorian. And I was just like, yes, I've poured so much time into this. It's great to see it paying off, and that character seems to be uh, a lot of people's favorite. One of them from the episode, mainly because of the actor who played them, of course, him, of course. But it just goes to show that. Outside of the live action, there is some wonderful stories and characters to be mined. They did that with Saul Guerrero in Rogue One. He was originated in the Clone Wars, and they brought him into live action, which is a brilliant idea. They've got you've got the characters in the world in the lore. Do some. Whilst I love seeing new characters all the time, but if it makes sense to use an existing one that the uh, the fans of the films only won't know, then put them in because they gave them a very quick like one minute, two minute expositionary back uh, flashback. And that's it. Bosh back, carry on with the story. So I thought the first episode of the Mandalorian season two was fabulous. I really thought it was big. It was epic. It's cinematic. It had a goddamn aspect ratio changing, which I loved. It looked incredible. Like this, the effects have upped in this season already. Um, so obviously I'm excited for the second episode uh, of where they go from here, I've got no idea. I hope I hope I just I hope the second episode is you know as good or at least nearly as good as this one, and we'll be off to a good start. So I've got full faith in Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and Team et al over there in Mando City. So yeah, man, The Mandalorian. I've seen it a few times now, and I don't often go back to watch things again so quickly, but I had to watch it again. Um, but I know you saw it, dude, and I know you've been looking forward yeah. to seeing Baby Yoda and hopefully getting some positivity back in the world. And for me, man, I did that. But what about you, man? I one, I can't believe I blanked on the fact that I watched the it. Same here. It. Uh, I was like, "What? Oh yeah." Um, but I, my biggest criticism is of myself. 
I I have gotten in a bad habit. If I'm not writing a review for something, I opt to throw it in on the background while I'm working or doing something on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely was not giving the episode 100% of my attention. I missed something really big. And I went to the grocery store immediately after because this was a Friday right before D&D. And I'm wearing a Baby Yoda mask. And I am wearing a uh, my my Rebel shirt um, that it looks like Top Gun, but it's it's uh, X-Wing and then cool says Rebel. Um, and so the guy knows I'm a Star Wars fan. He's like, have you seen episode one yet of season two? I'm like, I just finished it. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And in my head, I'm like, when did that happen? And I, <laughs> the only thing I, I could think of is it was a post credit scene because I stopped at the credits. I'm like, idiot. Why did you stop at the credits? Only to find out that, no, it, it had played in front of me, but there is no cue to look up like when it happens. And I had already kind of thought episode over. And I uh, missed it completely. So I had to go back and rewatch like the last few minutes of the episode to see it. But um, but I, I also enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Yep, hopefully it's decent. I, I, I'm probably going to like it anyway. Even the kind of lesser moments of episode one, season one, I still dug. And... My last point on that is is the Mandalorian, the creative team, and Kathleen Kennedy, and everyone behind that, they get it. You know, they, the first Star Wars live action TV series. Let's ignore the, like, the Ewok stuff, but they get it. They get what the feel and the tone of Star Wars. There's nothing wrong with the sequel trilogy, and there's nothing wrong with liking that. I liked it an awful lot, but this feels legit. The Mando does so. Let's hope it carries on. Um, so that's what we've been consuming. And that just goes some way to keep us, you know, keeping us to a certain level. But to stay bloody awesome requires an awful lot of effort. But we're up to the challenge. We've been doing this gig for, blimey, coming up three years next year. So I think we've pretty much got it down, but we can't get complacent, JB. We need to stay bloody awesome each week and we need to up our game. So what have you been doing in the last seven days to stay bloody awesome? Well, sir, I uh, have been getting ready to record the 200th episode of Movie Club. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it dawned on me. Uh, we're we're moving into a new theme because we we are a monthly based uh, theme, and November is Love Stinks. So we're doing like kind of non traditional love stories, um, and we're hitting the Richard Linklater before trilogy that mm. neither Corey or I have seen. Um, so it's a big kind of deal for that. And then I realized that our first episode of the trilogy before sunrise, uh, that we're recording on Friday is episode 200. So, uh, in honor of that, I ordered Corey, um, the Edward Scissorhands. And I don't remember the girl's name, but Winona Ryder's character in that movie isn't coming to me, but I ordered her the pop vinyls, uh, for that. Um, so she should have got them today. In fact, and, uh, and, um, I ordered myself. Uh, the Tyler Durden pop vinyl and the um, Chris from Get Out, where he's sitting in the chair, uh, pop vinyl, yeah, yeah. which I didn't know existed, and I was like, uh, "Wow, I want that." So, do you I've know what I would have two- done if I'd known it was the big two hundred for you and um, Corey? Gone onto the custom pop site and had a JB and a Corey pop made with the Movie Club T-shirts on or something, because that would have been boss. I didn't even know that was a thing. I might have to look into you that. You can have um, custom but, pop. I don't know what the company's called, but they look pretty damn good. So check it out, man. Yeah, but that's it's a big deal. So uh, mm. almost four full years, Corey and I have been doing movie clubs. So it's it's you know it's kind of crazy um, hitting that milestone. So uh, what about you? What have you been doing to stay bloody awesome, sir? Yeah, we have. I've got to say to people listening, if you haven't checked out movie club, do so. It's a lot of fun, and you will learn stuff as well. And there's a lot of the premises behind it it's not just pick a movie and talk about it it's wonderful 
reasoning behind a movie. Like JB said, love stinks. And yes, at times it does. So it'd be great to tune in to a few episodes in the, over the coming weeks as to why love stinks or unconventional love may be the way forward. But uh, well done to yourself and Corey. And guys, go check it out on all good podcast providers. Um, for me, it's not quite as uh, celebratory. I haven't been doing a victory lap. I've been preparing for lockdown two. The lockdown strikes back. Or, as JB has uh, punned it, the Prime Minister strikes back. Yes, we are as of Thursday. It was announced last week, but uh, Boris Johnson has told COVID if you could just hold off till Thursday, like a week later. Uh, as of Thursday, we're going back into pretty much a month-long lockdown where everything's closing non-essential shops and businesses they're getting um 86 they're getting they're getting gone they're getting nixed only pretty much grocery shopping's allowed and uh, i mean yep i'm all for i'm all for lockdown i'm one of the ones who should have said we should have just stayed in bloody lockdown since march none of this easing restrictions lark which has left us one of the worst five countries in the world in terms of death um but we're going back into a lockdown so i've been preparing by um well mentally preparing by getting out a little bit by going and filling up the old groceries. I got a haircut today as well. I had It had been an unholy amount of time since I'd had my haircut. I know JB doesn't really have that worry, but it's been like three months I'd had a haircut and my hair grows out rather than down. It grows like a helmet to the point where I was under the shower the other day. There's an image for you. And the water was hitting my head, but it was kind of like bouncing off the top level. And my, I'm sure like the underneath my actual head skull, scalp wasn't getting wet. Such was the volume of hair. So I was like... This has got to change, man. Everywhere's closed on Thursday. I've got to go and get a haircut. And I feel like a million dollars now. I even had to push back the astrology graphic photo shoot to allow my hair to be cut. So um, there's a little look behind the curtain there. But yeah, man, just preparing for lockdown because it's going to be another month of um, uncertainty, another month of these same walls. Um, But the schools are remaining open, which is, you know, uh, which is something else. So I guess the school run's going to be some kind of exercise but it's just mentally getting ready for that and what can i do to stay bloody awesome in that time and it revolves around doing a podcast like this checking out films catching up on my watch list and um i've been as john knows i like to keep myself very organized so i've been coming out with like spreadsheets of films i need to watch and like the gap list and had you said psycho that would have been one of the ones i'd watched or the thing sorry i would have chucked that on there as well but for me it's just preparing for the next wave of lockdown but it doesn't have to be a negative. There's plenty of positives to come from it, i.e., you know, keeping people inside and not spreading the damn virus, which is what everyone should be doing. But it also means I get to catch up on my watch list, on my gap list, maybe even check out some TV. I really would like to check out The Boys soon. Now I know that JB's given it a seal of approval. There's a D&D podcast I want to check out soon as well. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, so that pretty much is what I've been doing. But again, like I say, it's not all doom and gloom and negative. Some good things to come out of it as well, dude, but... Um, hopefully next week, um, my bloody awesome will involve something um, creative because of the lockdown, but we'll see. Yep. Good luck to that. We are currently not on lockdown, so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I would say we lucky you, be. but we I'm not sure. Be. I'm not sure that's yeah. the right thing to say. So, um, Well, that is that for this episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our episode on the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Let us know what you thought about the film and whether you agree or disagree with our thoughts. Uh, of course, we'll be back next week with a review, non-spoiler, of Peninsula, the follow-up to uh, the very bloody awesome Train to Busan, 
So that drops in the United Kingdom on the 6th. So the day after this drops, so on Friday the 6th, it drops in the United Kingdom. I know JB's already seen it. So we're going to be discussing Peninsula. But in the meantime, if you want to get more BAMP, if you want to stay bloody awesome, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, JB, where are we on Instagram? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Very simple. Even simpler on Facebook. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and you'll see me and John staring back at you. Um, individually, where can the world find you online, John? We're at BurkeReviews.com and uh, on social media at BurkeReviews on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Go check them out. Uh, same for me, what I watched tonight.co.uk. Same socials, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Just search what I watched tonight and you'll find me on there. Uh, and if you have a spare minute or two and you did enjoy what you've just heard or you enjoy the show at all, please do consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice because it helps us grow. It helps us get out to more people. And we'd be lying if we said we didn't like hearing from fellow film fans each week. So uh, if you do have a spare few minutes, we would really, really appreciate that, guys. Uh, but with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,